once I started pouring back into myself, he started showing up. And it wasn't necessarily that he started showing up any differently, but I was able to see him. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. I want to thank you all so much for joining us. I've got a very, very special guest today, Kirsten Smith. She's a mindset, fitness, and nutrition coach for busy women. And she's also a wife, mom, uh, a mom of four, as well as a lover of liberty, which is probably my favorite part about you. It's <laughs> why I follow you on social media. You know what I mean? And I think you know that most of your followers are there for the memes. They're there for the uh, the politics a little bit. And it's a lot of fun. So much so that uh, I was scrolling Instagram the other day. And, and like Instagram does, it, it puts these ads in front of us. And one of them was de- defund the politicians. Yeah. And I was like, I have to get that <laughs> for Kirsten and Jeff. I have to get that for them. And so I ordered those and sent those over to you. Anyways, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the shirt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for the great memes and, and all the content and everything as well. So you and Jeff are in town for his Inner Circle meetup, and uh, I just joined like last week. You know, he asked me to come speak and everything, and uh, you know, you came in and did an exercise with us yesterday, which... You know, and, and it's like half, half the room is like military macho dudes, you know what I'm saying? So, but I, I'm sure by this point you're used to that, you know? And so I'm like, how is she going to like capture these guys' attention and then like really like get them to like come out of their shell a little bit, you know? And so you introduced us to some concepts and you gave us a worksheet and everything. We went through it and it was freaking fantastic. And all the guys were talking, they were engaged, yeah, you know good. what I mean? So you did an amazing job. Can you walk us through the the concept that you went over as well as, you know, maybe some examples of how you can execute it in your relationships? Because, you know, I'll be I'll be honest, I have not seen a lot of great relationships in the sales field, you know, because these guys go out, they hunt, they kill all day. You know what I mean? And this is like obviously a metaphor, but uh, in sales and it's a high stress position, you know. And then they, they they come home and they expect to have this like you know, I guess movie movie version of a relationship, you know what I mean? But it's like you gotta go to work at home too, you know. Right. So anyways, if you if you'll walk us through that that concept that you went over yesterday. Absolutely. So I will Readily admit, I was super intimidated because I've never done that with a group of guys before. Oh, that was the first ever. time? Yes. You wouldn't have known. I've only you went ever in there and were like, women. hey, listen up, guys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I didn't know if you guys were going to be receptive to it, if it was going to be like a little too woo-woo, yeah. like psychology. Right. Um, and then Jeff didn't tell me what you guys were doing for most of the day, right? So, so no I context. figured if it was like yeah. really tactical, wealth-building stuff, and then I come in there and I'm like, let's talk about your feelings. <laughs> and I'd be like, uh, who's this chick? Yeah. So, um, and... To be honest, every time that I've done that with a group of women or I've done it with clients, mm. it always results in someone like crying their eyes out, mm. right? Because it can be very emotional. So yeah. what I did was I kind of went over the concept 
from Byron Katie from the book Loving What Is. Okay. And so Byron Katie has developed this process by which you can kind of untangle these webs of un- unexamined thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of the time we think thoughts and just because we think something, we assume that it's true, right? If it explains the circumstances around us. Mm-hmm. For example, for a long time, I was a stay-at-home mom with little kids. My husband's an entrepreneur, so I'm kind of playing that support role at home. Right. And I had a lot of stuff on my plate and I would say, hey, can you do X, Y, or Z to help me out? Mm-hmm. And did he do X, Y, or Z consistently? No. So my story became that like he doesn't, he doesn't respect my time, mm-hmm. he doesn't appreciate my efforts, and he doesn't want to help me out. Right. Right. Because that explained what I was seeing. That explained that reluctance for him to you know pick up his dirty socks and move them over eight inches into the hamper. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah. So a lot of the time, it'll explain what's going on, so it's easy to believe. Mm-hmm. It all makes sense. It checks the boxes, but that doesn't still doesn't mean that it's true. So. The idea that Byron Katie has through doing what she calls the work is you have a thought, okay, whatever your story might be, mm-hmm. write it down, ask four questions, turn it around. Okay. So the idea here is, you know, the questions that you kind of go in order, the example that I used, I had, you know, all you guys kind of fill out something that, you know, either could be a problem from childhood, it could be yeah. just something that you think about that happened recently, somebody cut you off in traffic, it doesn't matter, it could be trivial, it could be big, you know, whatever it is that's still kind of getting you worked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. We went through this worksheet. Everybody writes it out. And I use mine as an I, example. It was hilarious that you used <laughs> Jeff. He's, he's over there in the corner like, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't think he knew what you were going to do he either, did, did I he? I did not tell him. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he had kind of an idea of what yeah. I was presenting on. But no, I did not tell him he was going to be the guinea pig there. Yeah. Um, so the example that I used was, you know, I was mad at Jeff because I wanted him to come home, get off of his phone, and be present, mm-hmm. right? Have dinner as a family, have family movie night and not be over there on your phone, whether it's scrolling or it's just, you know, taking messages. We're in the process of selling a bunch of real estate, so he's been on his phone a bunch. Right. Um, you know, returning emails, things like that. Mm-hmm. That we need some boundaries. And again, guys in sales, entrepreneurs, yeah. you guys all deal with this because there's no definitive end time to mm-hmm. work, right? It's easy to bleed over into family time. So, um, you know, the way that you go through that is he's always prioritizing the business over us. Right. That's kind of my statement. First question, is it true? Well, like from the ego point of view, I want to say, yeah, that's true, right? Because I'm mad about it. But realistically, is he always doing that? The honest answer is no. Right? So once you get to know, you can move to the third question. Mm -hmm. The third question is, how do you show up? when you think that thought, right? When right. I have the thought that he's always prioritizing the business, he's always prioritizing work mm-hmm. over us, well, I kind of show up pissed off already, Yeah. right? I don't show up as the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. So acknowledging that, kind of, again, taking that ego out, realizing that you're probably not showing up with your best foot forward right? when you already have that thought. And then question number four is, who would you be if you didn't have that thought? Mm-hmm. Right? I'd show up as a much better wife. I'd show up as a better partner. I'd be more understanding. So being able to kind of take a thought that we assume is true, right? Because it is still true. I want him to get off his phone. I want him to be present, right? We all want that. We want your time. We want your energy. We want that back and forth kind of symbiotic relationship. And sometimes when you guys are busy and you don't realize that you kind of get sucked into work a lot, we don't get it, right? And then we crave your, your attention. Right. 
So on the surface level, that's still true. But using these questions and using that tool kind of lets you go in and look at it from all the different angles, Mm -hmm. examine it, right? And then the last step is to turn it around. So instead of saying, I want Jeff to get off his phone and be present, Mm -hmm. I want me to get off my phone and be present. Is that as true or truer than my initial statement? Right. Right? And in this case, it is. There are times I'm guilty of the exact same thing, right? Like you shared the TikTok video, like... (laughs) Okay, yeah. the girl puts down her phone and then looks at her looks at her boyfriend or her husband and is like, why are you on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> it's classic. Yeah, we're guilty yeah. of that, right? Yeah. So it's it's also kind of an opportunity to look inward and realize that just like, you know, the, the basic law of leadership is that leadership starts with self-leadership. Mm-hmm. So until you have your house in order, right, you got all your ducks in a row, you really don't have a whole lot of business telling somebody else what they should or should not be doing. Absolutely. And... What I love about that is, are you really ever going to have your house in order? Um, Like I was saying, what I love about that is, you know, you're never really done working on having your house in order. You may have it in order very well, you know what I'm saying? But there's always work to do there. Absolutely. And one of the things I always talk about is the man in the mirror, you know, and that man in the mirror is responsible for everything, you know. And obviously I'm talking to men when I say this, but, you know, if you take... If you take responsibility for everything, then you have control of everything. And that's what I love about that part of the exercise. It's like, okay, I can project outwards or I can keep working inwards. And then what happens more often than not, if you have the right partner, is they not fall in line, but they they are inspired. Yeah. By you doing that. Because you know it's what leadership. I mean? Yeah, it's leadership. Right? 100%. It's absolutely. It's it's the most natural way that someone's gonna gonna follow you. Mm-hmm. And you're leading yourself. Absolutely. And so is, there's a few more pieces to that last part, right? Which part? The turn it around part? Yeah, the turn it around part. Um, so I think can, there was four questions. You can phrase it different ways. Gotcha. So instead of, um, I think the example that she gives at the bottom is, you know, somebody lied to me. Mm-hmm. You can say he did not lie to me. I lied to me. I lied to Paul. Yeah. Or Paul told me the truth. Right. right. So sometimes you have to play around with it to figure out kind of what's going to click and what's going to speak to you and mm-hmm. what is going to ring true. Yeah. There's different the, ways of phrasing it. Where the opportunity is for right. you to work on yourself. Now, and we went through through my example, too. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it goes. You know, and it, it, it drives me nuts because, you know, when it comes to like therapy and stuff like that, I, I, I don't do well in therapy. You know what I mean? I do well in exercises like that, but I don't do well in therapy because it's like I self-evaluate constantly. You know, I have that analytical mind that I know where all my shit comes from. You know what I mean? And so I know when it's being triggered for the most part, but this wasn't the childhood stuff that I'm used to pointing back to and saying, okay, that's where it comes from. So I need to stop doing this so I I don't relive that, right? Uh, But this was like more recent stuff that you pointed out. You know what I mean? And so it was just, uh, it, it was really great. And it should be an example of opening people up to like, you know, when you say mindset, people think it's very surface level. You know, um, I have a uh, abundance mindset, you know, which means basically I, I don't look at competition and want them to fail. I want everybody to win. I feel like we all can win. That's an abundance mindset, but it's very surface level, you know. So when I hear mindset coach, it's like, I don't need a mindset coach. Like, I have a good mindset, you know? But then when it goes as deep as you just went with us yesterday, now I'm starting to understand the complexities of it and how 
deep you can go into this, you know? For sure. And and to me, what you do is psychology for high performers, you know? I work with busy moms mm-hmm. primarily, right? Most of them are high performers. Yeah. They are entrepreneurs. They own businesses. They either have, you know, worked with people very high up at Google, mm-hmm. you know, that also had a baby and just kind of can't shake this baby weight because they have this demanding career and right. it's figuring out how to kind of juggle these things, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example of how this particular tool has been super useful in what I do. Okay. Um, I had a client one time who had a, a pretty big weight loss goal mm-hmm. and she'd been working on it for years, okay? She'd had gosh, probably 40 to 60 pounds that she'd been struggling with for the better part of 15 years. She was married, and her husband made amazing homemade chocolate chip cookies. Okay, He made these things multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. So she'd had this history. That's rude, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> she'd had this history of kind of yo-yo dieting, right? She was either, she was always on some diet or she was off. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of lived his life. Yeah. Right? Like the cartoon of like the kind of chubby lady who goes on a diet mm-hmm. and she loses like three pounds and her husband loses like 15 pounds. Right. Oh, so yeah. he's just living his life, living his best life, having cookies all the time. Yeah. And she's over here struggling, trying to lose weight. And she carried this sense of animosity towards her husband. Mm-hmm. Right. He Because she felt like he was undermining her. By so, losing more weight than her. Well, no, just because oh, he the was making chip the cookies. cookies. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right? Because gotcha. from her perspective, here she hired me. She's spending a lot of money prioritizing her health and fitness, working on her goals. And then here's her husband still making these chocolate chip cookies like yeah. he does every, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we had to have a little talk, right? We kind of worked through this whole thing. And she realized that her story was that he doesn't care about her goals. Right. Right. But ultimately, this came down to like a boundaries thing. And I love the way that our friend Stacey Rasky teaches about boundaries, mm-hmm. that your boundaries, we think about our boundaries being kind of an interpersonal thing, right? right. Here are my boundaries with you. Don't cross my boundaries, mm-hmm. right? And if the number one boundary is no disrespect, I don't want you to disrespect me, my time, my goals, my body, my vision, whatever those things might be. Right. But what we fail to realize is that our boundaries are actually interpersonal. They start with us. Mm-hmm. So she was not good at her boundaries. Right. Right. And where she saw that coming up was her husband making the cookies mm-hmm. and undermining her efforts. But what she failed to realize was that her husband's watched her do a million diets. Right. How many times has she rolled into the house and be like, we're carb free now. And she like takes everything out of the pantry. Right. Or we're right. doing keto. And he's like, oh, shit, this again. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like after a yeah. while, when people see you diet and then you do it for a little while and then you're like, oh, we're having pizza. Okay, I'll have pizza just this one night, right? Or, yeah. oh, we're going out for drinks. Sure, I'll have a margarita. Yeah. And you're undermining your own boundaries. Like ultimately, it starts with her. Well, no one yeah. else is going to respect your boundaries if you're not respecting them. Yeah, you're training them not to. Exactly. Right? It's just like, you know, when we were going over the exercises yesterday, sort mm-hmm. of towards the end, that was what another one of the guys in, in our session said. Yeah. That, you know, he felt like his wife was always giving him this stuff and she was not respecting his time. But ultimately, whose job is it to respect his time? 100%. It's his. Yeah. Right? It's that we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge everybody else by their actions. Mm-hmm. So in her mind, it was okay to cheat every once in a while. In his mind, he didn't understand. When is it okay to cheat and when it's not okay to cheat on your yeah. diet? I'm just How much gonna make keep these track cookies. Of this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go you do your thing over there, I can't keep track of you because you're wishy washy yeah. and you're unreliable. Absolutely. 
and 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 we see it happen all the time in our own lives like we try to make this pivot but we just need to make the pivot and execute and then after like doing it consistently for so many months or actually getting results from it then then maybe we can set those boundaries because we we've set them with ourselves we've held we've held our own integrity yes you know what i mean and now we have a track record and so now it's like hey I would appreciate it if like, you made these cookies once a week, you know what I mean, instead of three times a week, yep. you know, or whatever the case is. But it's one of those tough things. It's like, okay, well, what makes him happy? It may be making those cookies. And if that makes him happy, you can't take that away from him. He's you just have to say, to eat the cookies, yeah, right? you, get, you just got to say no now, right? 100%. One of the things that I, I wanted to talk about a little bit, because I think this is something that, um, that relationships run into and especially in the entrepreneur or high performing salesperson or sales manager space is um you know and and you were kind of talking about it earlier you've had this journey where you reach this plateau as the supportive mom of an entrepreneur you know what i mean and what what happens statistically what happens most of the time when when uh women get there and men don't respond the, the way that they want to is divorce or an unhappy relationship or whatever the case was so can you tell us about that journey a little bit and how you were able to pivot you know because a big pivot was you working on yourself absolutely yeah so you know i i think i kind of touched on the five phases of marriage i remember what the first one was um first one was seduction oh so it was sex yes yeah <laughs> I, okay. I knew it started with an s yeah I don't remember what it was so yeah. we went with sex yeah um but yeah the seduction phase everything's okay. new everything's great right like this other person that you're with has no flaws then you get the suffocation phase okay suffocation like eh, maybe you're not so perfect after all like you do some stuff that annoys me strangulation phase right maybe you've been married for a while you got a mortgage together you got kids life is stressful mm-hmm. and like argue all the time right right everybody at some point gets to that phase where like you're not the biggest fan of your spouse anymore mm-hmm. right and like we lived in that phase for several years mm-hmm. probably so that is the point where most people realize like it shouldn't be this hard right right have you ever thought that like absolutely yeah why if i'm with the right person it shouldn't be this hard mm-hmm. like it is there's no way around it. Yeah. So that's where most people, you know, most people will cheat. Most people will get divorced, call it quits at that point in time because you don't know how to make it work with that person, right? Well, it seems like irreconcilable. I think there's a huge misconception about relationships in general out there, especially now versus like 10 years ago. And it wasn't perfect 10 years ago. I was watching Julia Roberts and Richard Gere and Pretty Woman. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> was the furthest thing from reality, right? And then you even go further into it and, like, you know, Sleep is in Seattle, but it was always, like, the beginning of relationships. And movies never moved into the middle and the end. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, when you're growing up, you have this perception. It doesn't matter that your parents are divorced, you know what I mean, or that your mom's gotten married three times, you know? You just going to focus on the the good stuff right for sure and then when you have your own relationships you expect it to go like that movie mm-hmm. and you're not prepared for the reality of it yeah think of every disney movie right <laughs> every, every princess and the prince yeah. shows up and they live happily ever after right yeah but like you don't dig into the ever after part the ever mm-hmm. after like might get a little bumpy so that third phase is like make or break for a lot of people mm-hmm. if you can kind of recommit at that phase if both people are committed in my opinion to making things work there's two more phases Mm -hmm. okay the next one is submission that's when you realize like 
that that internal work that maybe I'm not as great of a wife as I think I am. Mm-hmm. Right? I had to come to that realization right. because I had a whole lot of complaints about how my husband was showing up. Mm-hmm. Right? But I didn't realize that like I wasn't speaking his love language. Yeah. So even though I felt lonely and I felt disconnected, that he felt the same way. Right. Right? And I had to take responsibility for how I was showing up in our marriage. And then from there, you've got salvation. That's that next level, right? When you grow together, mm-hmm. you reach a next level. You reach a new level of vulnerability. Yeah. You know, you're, you're a stronger team, all of that. Mm-hmm. And But you got to go through all of that stuff to get to the good stuff, right? Yeah. You don't just get the good stuff. And I yeah. think that's kind of that misconception. People just want the good stuff. Right. And so for me, I had to come to a realization that I could not control how my husband was going to show up. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I thought maybe I could and I could give him some feedback like, hey, this would really help me out. Like we live a very hectic life, like mm-hmm. like high performers, high achievers, entrepreneurs, you know, people that are doing a lot of sales, people that travel a lot. Right. You know, we homeschool. We've got four kids. We do a, a whole lot of stuff. And so I would try to over communicate. Here's what I need. And I felt like he wasn't given his 50 percent. Right. Right. And instead of focusing on what I wasn't getting, I shifted to just focusing on filling my own cup. Mm-hmm. Right? If he's not going to show up and fill my cup, then I'm going to do what I need to do. Right? I'm going to prioritize those guardrails that you put in for your habits. I'm going to go to the gym regularly. Yeah. I'm going to work on becoming the best version of me. I'm going to pour some time and energy into my mind, mind, body, and soul. Make mm-hmm. sure that everything is like coming together because this is my life. And when I took that level of responsibility and I started pouring back into myself because I was used to just pouring into my husband and kids. Yeah. Once I started pouring back into myself, he started showing up and it wasn't necessarily that he started showing up any differently, but I was able to see him. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. And, you know, going through your twenties as a man, you realize early twenties, it's like, Oh, the code, the code is dependency stuff is fun. You know what I mean? Like that, that sounds good and it feels good and everything. No, a hundred percent. Like you want your woman to, to follow you around like a little puppy. You know what I mean? You think you do. Right. And then, you know, cause if you look at me and my wife's journey, like it's exactly the stages that you said, yeah. uh, except we divorced. Right. So we were at stage three, we divorced and then stage four was a hundred percent submission. And she talks about it all the time. She, she uh, connected with God again. She, she, that was a two-way relationship again. And, and she felt called to pursue me again. You know what I mean? And her whole thing at the time was, all right, I'm going to stop fighting this. You know, because we had tried to reconcile like five times before that. And she was fighting it the whole time because she hadn't forgiven me yet. Yeah. And so she connected with God. She was able to forgive me. And um, at that, that stage in her life was submission. You know what I'm saying? And I, I absolutely wasn't there yet, you know, but I knew I wanted, I wanted to restore our marriage. So I was willing to do the work. And through that, because she was in that stage of submission, it inspired me to do the same thing. She led you. She led me. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I will, I will die on that sword. You know, the only reason that we are back together is because of her a hundred percent. And so, uh, and then after that salvation, you know, we got remarried. And it was just 
and we have a completely different relationship now. We are completely different people. Um, but because of that submission and, and because I'm not going home wanting this, you know, doting housewife, you know what I'm saying? And, and, it, and it, it's so much sexier, you know, when a woman like is able to be by herself and, and create her own success, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's what she's doing now. And, and, and it's crazy because it, it, that submission stage has to happen first though. You know, because then we are inspired by each other and we appreciate each other for that. Because I did, she was, all of a sudden, all the love was there again because she's submit to it. And it, and it, daily, you know what I mean? And I, it, it's hard to put into words, you know, because I, I guess I've never talked about this piece and maybe I need to more, but. Um, it creates like a sense of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Right, so like you can't get to that next phase right. until you have that like raw vulnerability. Yeah. And I fought it for a long time, but because of the guardrails I put in place, I didn't, I didn't fall off the deep end. You know what I mean? And because I had guys like Jeff around me, or guys like Drewby, you know, Thomas at the time, and um, they were giving me those guardrails and inspiring me with those guardrails. Like I finally was able to submit. You know, because it was like I got closer and closer and closer to her, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is really what I want. This is what it feels like." You know, and so um, no, it's a it's a it's a journey for sure. But I love that stage four is what people won't they won't do because they think that that other person is there for them, right? You know, which is crazy to me now. You know what I mean? Because when I think about me and my wife's relationship, like I I'm there for her. You know, and if both people are giving like that, then to me, the relationship is exponentially better, yeah. you know, and I see again in the industry, I see so many guys want to be the hero, you know, and want to be the income earner and want to be like adored and doted on. And, and especially guys younger than me, 10 years younger than me, I have conversations with them all the time. They're high performers. They're making half a million dollars a year. You know, and they want to be put on this pedestal, and it's like that pedestal is going to be the your detriment. Yeah. You know. So, I think this is interesting because I see a lot in the circles that we run around in. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of my queen talk. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I get where it comes from, mm-hmm. right? Because people can kind of bristle at traditional gender roles yeah. all you want, but like. Traditional gender roles make sense. Mm-hmm. They, they really do. Yeah. And if you can embrace, to a certain extent, traditional gender roles and lean into that, then I, I think that most people will find that rewarding. Mm-hmm. Right? If you can do that, because nobody wants to be dominated in like a... Unhealthy sense. Right. A disrespectful right. sense. But like, yeah. I want to be led. I want to be led by a strong man. Mm-hmm. Right, and and that requires me to be feminine, to have an, an, a balance of masculine and feminine energy. Absolutely. Because if I step way too far into masculine energy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I dealt with this last year because I was trying to build a business, right? And you know, I was speaking on stages, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of personal growth, and I had a lot of opportunity, and that that requires going out hunting, killing, mm-hmm. proverbially, right? right. <laughs> um, you know. Closing on sales, that requires that certain level of, like, kill masculine energy. Right, yeah. And But you have to balance it for both mm-hmm. parties. And this, this 
my queen talk, sometimes I'm just like, been on a history kick recently. Yeah. And you know, I've been reading ancient civilizations and all of these empires that rise and fall. And you know what, what kings did for their queens? They would go and like discover some new land and bring back like 12,000 slaves from some Middle Eastern mm-hmm. province that they had just captured and bring them home and like, here are all your your slaves queen. Yeah. Right? But like there was this symbiotic relationship of of rulership. Okay. Right? There was like they each played a very specific role. I think there's a lot of guys that like they want to be king so bad that they talk about the queen. Yeah. But in your actions, what are you actually doing to make your queen feel like a queen? Right. Right? Is she a queen because she's just second in command of the king? Yeah. It's more of a position than in a, uh, a mindset. Right. Yeah. Like, is this just a title because uh-huh. you're the king and she's married to you and you want to be treated like the king? Because that's what I, I see a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's it's different. Like, the there's a level of servant leadership mm-hmm. from the king to the queen. Right. And I think that's that's missing That's the, sometimes. That's the biggest part that's missing, it's, 100%. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's less... Because when you say king and queen, it's like, okay, this is the king. I have to follow him. It's a rule. You know what I mean? What the king Vers- says goes. Yeah. Versus servant leadership, it's like I want to follow him because yes. he serves me. And, and that's biblical, right? Mm-hmm. And and me and my wife talk about this all the time because sometimes we just have to like, you know, you're, you're, you're not always around your people. You know what I mean? And uh, sometimes we do. We have to. Well, and we don't as much anymore because we don't really care. Like, we're, we have this, like, authentic filter now, you know? But but back in the day, like, literally nobody our age believed in that, you know? Yeah. And um, I just, I think it's, it's, it's different now, you know? When she allows me to lead, we are so much happier, you know what I'm saying? But that responsibility is no joke. Right. You have to be worthy. Yeah, you have to be the trust uh, and and having someone follow you. A hundred percent. And you have to not constantly prove it, but you have to be consistent in proving it, you know? And the the times that me and my wife and we talked about this yesterday have had contention, it's when I feel like she's not uh She's questioning, you know, and then this is going to come out the wrong way because it's not like anytime she questions, like we can have a debate, we can have a conversation, you know, but when she assumes that I don't have our family's best interest in mind, that's where I get triggered. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because of everything we've gone through the last two years, we've done a lot of work, you know? Oh yeah. And so I feel like I've proven over that two years that I have our family's best interest in mind with every decision that I make, you know, like. Like, last night was a great example. I wanted to go to dinner with you guys. I wanted to go hang out. I wanted to be around my people, but I had to go home. I had just been out of town for two nights. Two nights is, like, my limit, you know what I mean? And I needed to go home and spend time with my family. And it it worked out beautifully. I got home before she got home from baseball practice with my son. I was able to cook dinner, and her her dad had actually taken him to baseball practice because she had to take – you know how it goes. I know how it goes. (laughs) Every now and then you get some help from the grandparents – and so I was able to cook dinner. We were all able to have a great family dinner with her dad there, too. You know, and it was just really nice. And I knew I knew because I made that decision, I was in the right place. And so that's the consistent part that has to happen. If you're consistently making decisions to, 
you know, it's for work, you know what I mean? It's for, for business, you know, but I knew like, I didn't have to go to that last night to have a successful business. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I had to be there speaking, but that was during the day and it didn't sacrifice my family, you know? And so there's that core value filter. Exactly. Through the core value filter, and you yeah. know that, like right now, it's family time. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Would the dinner have been great? Would you have networked? Would you have some great conversations? Could mm-hmm. it potentially lead to yeah. something profitable down mm-hmm. the road? Maybe. But is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And so, and, and and I did all day. I had been thinking about that, you know, and 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 that's what it is, guys. Like, you, if you don't make the right decision in that moment, you know, she's gonna notice. And she's going to feel that. And if you keep making that wrong decision not to to engage and not to uh, to, to pour into your family or pour into your partner, um, yeah, that's where that gap's going to happen. And even happens internally, right? Because if you know deep down, you've got an inkling of, like, what's probably the right thing to do. Right. You don't always choose the right thing, mm-hmm. right? Whether we're talking about pouring into your spouse, we're talking about health and fitness, yeah. we're talking about the next one thing that you need to do to serve your business, mm-hmm doesn't matter you've got that inkling that little nudge that tells you what the right thing to do is Mm -hmm. a lot of the time you'll do the right thing if you make a habit out of choosing the wrong thing like deep down in your soul you know that you're not showing up the way that you're supposed to right okay so i always think about the word confidence the latin root for the word confidence just means to have intense trust okay so self-confidence is intense trust in yourself to have an intense trust in yourself Okay. When you constantly kind of make the decision, the easier decision, mm-hmm. the instant gratification decision, you're undermining your self-confidence. Okay, so you make a habit out of that, and then you have a little disagreement with your wife, you're way more triggered, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, you know you're not showing up at 100%. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. The, the girls are going to have fun with this when we're, we're going to see... <laughs> Kirsten, all over building great sales team social media. <laughs> you know what's going to happen is it's going to happen both ways. You know, the wives are going to send this to their husbands like, oh, hey, I saw this podcast. You should listen to it. You know what I mean? And then it's going to happen in reverse, too. The husbands are going to send it to their wives like, hey, you should listen to this. You know what I mean? No, this is uh, this has been amazing. Okay, so what's going on in y'all's businesses right now? And what's, what's kind of next for you guys? Oof. Okay. This, I mean, this ties in. Um, like I said, I had a big year. Mm-hmm. The last couple of years have been really, really big for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like end of Q2, Q3 of last year, I got in a major funk. I'd, I'd seen a lot of growth. Um, I really embraced sales. I thought I did not like sales. Turns mm-hmm. out I actually love sales. Um, you know, and I realized I have kind of an obligation to sell and to serve people. Um, I, I love that. There's a lot to that. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you finish, but I want to get back to that. That's important. Yeah, so I, I really embraced it. Um, had a lot of success and still kind of felt like I was falling short. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, I was setting some financial goals of where I personally as a solopreneur wanted to, like what I wanted to gross monthly, mm-hmm. and I was consistently falling short. So... I really did a lot of introspection towards the last half of, of last year. And I realized that I'm not money motivated. 
So I'm building a business, mm-hmm. right? But financially, I haven't really contributed to our family for the most part. Right. Um, because I've kind of been in that support role, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've built businesses together. Have I been involved? Yes. You know, I went and got my real estate license. I worked for our real estate portfolio as well. I worked in the gym off and on when we owned the gym. But realistically, you know, I, I wasn't the one paying myself. Right. Right. It's kind of going into the, the family bucket, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was never lost on me. So as I was building a business, seeing kind of my own financial success, I was not hitting these benchmarks. And I realized that I'm not money motivated. I am mission motivated. Right. So I wasn't getting like the positive feedback and the dopamine hit as I'm creeping closer to that financial goal that I was setting for myself. Right. I was getting like that big dopamine hit from clients feedback from seeing their wins mm-hmm. from seeing their like lasting accomplishment, losing weight, keeping it off, having, you know, some kind of a struggle, a vacation or something like that. And just mm-hmm. nailing it right with the right mindset, have fun, don't go overboard and realize that, like they weren't going to lose everything they'd worked for. Okay. Like that gives me goosebumps. So I also realized, you know, I've got these four kids, three of them, the older ones are at home and I'm homeschooling them and I've made the commitment to do that. And I got so kind of regimented with my schedule Mm -hmm. and very rigorous about how I was using my time. You know, I'm waking up in the morning, I'll make the kids breakfast. Mm -hmm. This time is set for kids. And then maybe the kids realized over, you know, several weeks if not months of kind of watching the schedule well at nine o'clock mom's going to go in the office and she's going to have a call she's going to be on zoom for an hour so if we don't want to eat eggs and we want to just raid the pantry for breakfast we can do that or maybe we don't feel like doing our schoolwork that she just gave us so no one's around to watch us we'll watch tv instead yeah okay so now my role as a mom i feel like i'm kind of falling short Mm -hmm. so what i start doing is i start kind of wrapping all of these little mini failures, okay. right? And it puts me into a major funk. So Jeff and I went out, we did annual planning. Um, okay. We usually yeah. go between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I shared all this with them. Like, I kind of feel like I'm failing everywhere. Like on paper, it looks like a great success, mm-hmm. right? That's but, the money part. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is the money part. It's the, you know, speaking on stages. Yeah. It's writing a book, hitting mm-hmm. number one bestseller. Yeah. It's it's all of these things that I've kind of added to my intro on a podcast. Mm-hmm. But realistically, if one of my core values is, is freedom, like I crave freedom yeah. in every aspect, right? It's why I always post about politics and libertarian stuff. Right. Because it's very important to me. Why am I doing all this if I don't feel very free? And I got to a place where I just didn't feel very free. And so we really had some, some conversations about leadership, about gender roles, about all sorts of stuff. And, you know, my husband told me, I don't, I don't need you to earn money. Like, if you're producing money and you feel great about that, then fantastic, keep it up. Yeah. But, like, that's not, it's not your highest and best use of time. If you want to stop doing something altogether and mm-hmm. not contribute to our household finances, that's fine. I'll, I'll make up for it. I don't need it. And... I knew that was true because we'd had years where I did not, you know, in, in a separate way contribute to our, our household finances. Mm-hmm. And that we're very fortunate that we live a great life and we get to do fun things. We have a nice house and yeah. nice cars and we do that on, on one income. Um, but I think hearing him say that was a little different. 
So I realized that I have to shift my priorities. My kids are still young. They're 10, 8, 6, and 3. Yeah. Okay? And that time goes by very quickly. And I don't want to raise terrible human beings. Right? I don't want to raise kids that are entitled, that don't clean up after themselves, that don't follow through on what they've been told to do. And right. I'm like, this needs, needs attention. Right? Because I don't like the direction that we're moving. So I made the commitment starting this year. I have not taken on any additional clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of revamped my group coaching program a little bit. So um, most of my clients that are in there have been in there for one to two years now. So they're um, not high maintenance. They're not high maintenance, yeah. but we do a weekly check-in call. I no longer go in and you know kind of provide coaching right. like I used to do. So it's less time prepping and preparing for those calls. Um, and... I've really, I, I've revamped my schedule mm-hmm. in a different way. So instead of having those time blocks, right, and doing what I need to do, trying to bust out content and, you know, build modules for coaching programs and all those things that needed to be done, right? Write these email campaigns. Right. I've scrapped all that for now because I'm not taking on new clients, right? So I'm not worried about generating leads. You don't have to worry about the marketing piece, which is the most time-consuming piece, right. as me and Ryan know. Right, Exactly. <laughs> So that's allowed me to kind of like refocus my days Mm -hmm. around what the areas that I felt like I was falling short in. Yeah. Right. More time with the kids. And I've also revamped. I know Jeff always talks to you guys about the app streaks. Yeah. Which I guess is only it's only an iPhone thing. Um, You Android users have to find something else. But Mm -hmm. it's great because you can go in there and you can actually put in whatever habit it is that you want to hit every day. Right? And there's different screens. I think each you can have four screens. I think of six habits. I haven't dived into each. it yet, but it's I was fantastic. introduced to it yet yesterday. Yesterday, so I'm excited about. I have kind of a screen of like my personal things. Mm-hmm. Right? What are those things I have to check my boxes every day to win my day? Right? I mean, I got to work out. I mm-hmm. have to do like at least five minutes of mobility. Otherwise, I feel like an old person. Things like that. How many steps you want to get in a day? Like, are you trying to drink more water or whatever? Yeah. And then like I've got one that's just kids. Right. It's, it's making sure that I, love that. that I speak my husband's love language, which is either words of affection or physical touch. Mm-hmm. Like, have I spoken his love language to him today? Yeah. Mark that off my list. Right. Am I checking in with my oldest who's 10 years old and she's in kind of a weird place? Yeah. And am I making sure that she's she's good? Like we have a little one to one. Am I on the floor playing with a three year old? Man, that's massive because yeah. it is. Every one of my kids needs something different. Yes. And I in. Along with juggling everything else, like, how are we supposed to keep track of juggling that, you know? It's been a total game changer. Yeah, I love because that. Because I'm tra- I mean, what gets measured gets improved, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't, I didn't have any good way of measuring before. So everything kind of fell to the end of the day, and then I didn't get to it. Yeah. And I'm like, what should get the best of me? Right? I want to make sure that I'm serving my, my current clients at a high level, and I want to make mm-hmm. sure that I'm serving my family at a high level. And I'm getting a lot more um, proficient at using that core value filter mm-hmm. to say yes and no to things. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's one of the hardest things about being in the group that we're in is a lot of the events, activities, extras, extracurriculars, all that stuff, that they pass the core value filter. Yeah. But it's like when is enough enough, you know? I think uh, Jeff talked about it yesterday is when, uh, you know, and, and I'm guilty of it last year too. I went to like 
freaking 15 events you know i did all the things you know and at some point and it's not that i wasn't implementing along the way sure i was but there's only so much you can implement there's only so many times you can hear get out of your business and work on your business you know what i'm saying like i have pages and pages of notes that i've never even looked back at yeah you know but it oftentimes it's that one that one nugget yeah. you know and what i mean you never know when you're gonna get the nugget you That's never know thing, when you're right? gonna get it then you're fomoed yeah like all the time all the time and in in what i realized about six months in is it wasn't fomo of missing information because i feel like within within uh most of our groups like i know what i need to do yeah you know what i'm saying and i always noticed when and i'm going off on sideways here but i always noticed I was always at the front row, at like front row of the class, uh-huh. and then you guys were always way in the back talking. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, "What's going on?" Back yeah, there? like like I feel like there's more happening in those conversations back there than is up here because I'm hearing the same stuff. You know what I mean? And I and I got it after a while. I was like, okay, like they've heard this person talk before. They've heard this concept. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of what's happening is those relationships are being deepened versus education being deepened and that's where like i would get the fomo yes like oh shoot jeff and 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 uh, kirsten are out at this event or whatever you know i want to be out there hanging out with them too you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it is it it does get hard because uh those are genuine good things in the world that you want to you want to uh foster but so is your family so are your kids you know what i mean but no going back to the street thing a hundred percent I'm already thinking of my my kids one. I need to make that. That's going to happen tonight. Yeah. yeah, for sure. No, I love that. Um, where were we going with that? We were going somewhere with that. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I totally got us off track. But uh, uh, next steps for you guys. So you've, you've scaled back on the business a little bit, kind of went deeper with your current clients, I imagine, and uh, are, are kind of architecting where you spend your time, yeah. using that street gaps using that streak app and then and then uh, focusing on the kids more when you're at home. I mean, full disclosure, mm-hmm. I had to kind of, I came to kind of an uncomfortable realization mm-hmm. that last year a lot of what I did was just out of ego. You know, it's it, it's funny me and my wife have been through a similar journey. You know, the first the first round of our I'm going to start calling it two rounds, uh-huh. but round 1. Round 1 <laughs> of our marriage um you know, when we when we uh, had our daughter, she uh, was student teaching, or no, no, she she had her first year of teaching, and so um, she taught for a year, and then she wanted to stay home. So it was it was kind of cool though because I was in sales commission only, not making a whole lot of money, and I was able to get my daughter ready every morning. So me and my daughter have it's not just a daddy daughter thing; it's like this insane connection because. I cared for her very early on in her life, you know, and then she decided, hey, I'm not happy. I want to be home with the kids because we had my son at that point. And I'm like, do it. At this point, my business was doing really well and we had that luxury. You know what I'm saying? So I've always kind of left that open to her and, and whatever she wanted to do, I supported her on it. And uh, so I think it was a total of three times she went back to teaching and then back home. She's kind of figuring out what that was. Right. And then obviously as her kids got older, it was easier for her to stay in teaching. And then we divorced and everything. So she she felt like she had to. Right. You know, she had to earn her own. And um, But that was one of the things that I did right in our divorce is I never made money a thing. You know what I mean? I was like, 
I'm making sure you guys are taken care of before, you know, I'm paying my rent kind of thing, just to, to make sure that wasn't a point of contention. But anyways, uh, and then, so what she realized, and she, she came to a similar realization uh, about a year ago when she decided to start a tutoring service. And she had this guilt about it because she was like, I'm not going to be bringing in my 50 grand a year anymore as a teacher. But I'm like, you're going to be pursuing your mission, right? And we weren't in a financial position to like not have that 50 grand a year yet. But I, what I know about myself is I will adapt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We will adapt, you know? And so um, it was, it's not crazy how it happened. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing and it's divine to me. Her, her tutoring service is divine learning. But uh, he's laughing over there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we started executing, and it just all worked out. Yeah. You know? And, and it s- will. Yeah. It's that level of submission. hmm Right? Because I, we had the exact same thing happen. Like, I told you that Jeff told me, I, you know, I don't want your money. Yeah. Like, I will just make more. Right. Right? There's more out there to make. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, where, where do you need to put your attention so that, like, you feel fulfilled. So yeah. you feel like you're not dropping the ball, like you're not a failure. And I, I think we kind of put this into practice very end of December, beginning of January. Mm-hmm. He has already met, if not exceeded, the amount of money that I have given up since then. So, like, he closed that gap in, Couple in months. six weeks. Yeah. Right? So, like, why, why did I stress over it? Because I had this internal guilt. I had this story. Mm-hmm. Right? The same thing about I feel guilty that maybe I'm not going to be contributing Mm -hmm. anymore. And there was an element for me that when our relationship was really rocky and I couldn't control, you know, how my husband was going to show up and I had to kind of rubber meets the road. I can't control him. I can't. I don't know. Are we going to stay married? I don't know. I don't know if this guy's in it. Right? I'm in it. But, like, I can't. This guy. (laughs) I can't control if he's going to keep showing up. Like, is he going to be an asshole? Is he going to divorce me? I don't know. Now i got all these kids. What am I going to do? And I had that sense of, like, I need my own security. Right? Yeah. Much yeah. like your wife. Yes. That it, it's now our responsibility. Mm-hmm. Right? So that was part of, of sort of my journey, looking inward, working on personal development, making sure that, you know, I was pouring into myself was also I can produce. And I was used to being a high achiever. Yeah. Right. So like you guys just learned about me. Yeah. We moved to Texas because I got recruited to do You're my badass. PhD. <laughs> I didn't know that they recruited nerds the way they recruit like football players. And Absolutely. Stuff. But they do. They like flew me around and they paid for me to go to school and they like wine and dine me. Like, will you commit to going to school here? Yeah. I didn't know they did that for nerds. It was awesome. <laughs> um, but I, I've always when I set my mind to do something, I do it and I do it at a high level. I succeed. Like there, there's never been any other option. Anything that I've ever attempted to do, I do it and I do it well. And that felt like it was all taken away when I stayed at home with kids. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's not to devalue what I was doing. I was right. still working really hard. I was still excelling. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do everything the hardest way, though. Like, I made baby food and I did, like, you know, a cloth diaper because I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a high achieving mom mm-hmm. um baby so, one to baby four things change a little bit <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, yeah, eat that off the ground yeah it's fine. Um, that's your lunch <laughs> we'll call that swim you took a bath yeah um but i, I think that, that that was the ego part for me was mm-hmm. that i needed to go back out 
into the world and prove that I could do something and I could do it at a level mm-hmm. that I could still consider myself a high achiever, right? Because yeah. I kind of felt like I lost that portion of what made me feel like me. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard thing to kind of give up. I wrestled with that. So I kind of had to go back out there for a couple years and and really rediscover who I was, like get comfortable with me. And yeah. now I kind of feel like, okay, I've, I've had these different ways to kind of like manifest myself out in the world, rather than, mm-hmm. you know, it's a wife to an entrepreneur, mom to these kids, coach to these women, mm-hmm. speaker on stage, author, and now I can kind of mix them, yeah, which is like a really cool thing, but I can mix them in a way that, that serves me and serves my family mm-hmm. and serves the mission and what I feel called to do in a way that like, it, it doesn't depend on finances, mm-hmm. right? Because we had the talk and I said, I, I'm willing to follow my husband. Yeah. We're no longer doing this, like kind of divvying up our time. So that, mm-hmm. okay, you have calls now I've got calls then. And then like, we're kind of yeah. picking up who's are more important, you know, exactly. Oh man, that's a, that's, that's a, a real one. one. Yeah. Right? Who's in charge with the kids so that I can go here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, instead of splitting things up, I was like, you go build. Yeah. Right. He's he's more than capable, and mm-hmm. he's got his own mission. And I want him to go build. And I mean, there's a there's a financial aspect to that. When yeah. You do something and you do it well, and you go all in. And him trying to support me to grow mm-hmm. has kept him from going all in on that mission. Right. Right. And I mean, you you mentioned that group has grown in in the last few weeks mm-hmm. exponentially. Like it's, it's just been insane once he and I kind of came to that, that level of understanding. Yeah. Like you lead, you go build and then like, let's create together. Right. But let's not split up and kind of do our own thing in these silos because we're almost working against each other in a weird way. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. You know, whenever she um, made the decision to start her business, she said, this is what I want to architect. And it was very much 9 to 4 or 9 to like 3.30 because she wanted to be able to take the kids to school and pick them up. Right. She wanted to be there for all their extracurricular stuff. You know what I mean? So, like, she laid it out, and I, I looked at it, and I'm like, I'm in yeah, 100%. Because the whole reason she left teaching was because she didn't feel like she was showing up as a mom. You know what I mean? And so um, she is able to do that now and with the way things are going, earn as well, you know. And because she's part of uh, the groups that we're in and learning all that stuff from me too, like she's going to be able to build exactly what she wants and she has time to do it because I've got the bill side of things most of the time. You know, it gets tough sometimes, you know, but I, that's what I tell This is just part of it. Like, if we're yes. not willing to be uncomfortable, you know what I mean? How are we going to architect that life that we want for ourselves? Right. You, need that you know what I'm saying? Of stress. Like, it's not, you know, it's not always going to be, oh, I got us and some. You know what I mean? It's going to be like, hey, shit, I don't got us this month. We, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to, like, push things back a little bit or do something like that, you know, and, and, and that happens because I'm also starting a brand new business, you yeah. know? Um, and it's been, it's been interesting and challenging, but we both know what we're fighting for and we're aligned in that, you know? Yeah. 
And you're willing to figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's something that a lot of women struggle with. It's yeah. this kind of binary choice of like you got to be a stay-at-home mom or you're a working yeah. mom. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of I've gone back and forth. Like there's extremes yeah. to both of those. But I'm a firm believer that if I want to create something, even if I can't quite figure out what it looks like mm-hmm. yet, that it's doable. Right. Yeah. That allows me to still kind of succeed on all the levels that I want to succeed. And I'm in the process of, of marrying those things mm-hmm. now. Right. Which I think I started off one way. I kind of overcorrected one way. And now yeah. I'm coming back to the middle to figure out how they all work together in kind of a symbiotic way that, I mean, it just kind of is engineering the lifestyle that I want. Right. And if you're committed to doing that, you can absolutely find a way. Yeah. And I love it because. So many people want to make the decision before they give themselves the runway to figure out how it would work, you know? And so last year was your runway, and you came to that conclusion, but it wasn't Jeff saying, hey, this is how it needs to be, you know what I mean? It was him giving you that runway to, like, come to that conclusion yourself, you know? And any time I've done that with my wife, it's ended up so much better, (laughs) you know what I mean? And And here's a beautiful thing. I may have been wrong in the beginning. And so there's the runway, and she she does it, and she makes a decision that I thought was wrong in the beginning. But after seeing it all happen, I'm like, no, you were right, you know? Ooh, do you tell her she was right? Yes. Good work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not easy. No, it's easy. It's easy, you know? Um, but that's that that's that man in the mirror concept, you know? And that's that self-work, you know, that you got to do. Okay. So uh, one more heavy question. Oh, boy. What does legacy mean to you, and what legacy do you want to leave behind? What does legacy mean to me, and what legacy do I want to leave behind? And I know you just made this big pivot, so maybe that has pivoted too. I guess Jeff would call it a mission. My mission is that I want women to realize that they have way more control over their lives than they think they do. Right. The easy way that, that I do that is through health and fitness. Right. Because a lot of us feel kind of out of control or you feel like you're kind of going through the motions or you feel like maybe the script has already been written mm-hmm. and you're kind of the actor. So my mission is to help women find ways to realize that like the things that you don't like about your life, the things that are unfulfilling, the things that make you unhappy or sad, mm-hmm. like you can change those things and you can create whatever kind of life you want. So I think, like, when I think of legacy, I think about kind of the, like, when you drop the stone in a pond of water mm-hmm. and those ripples okay. go out, right? So depending on what kind of legacy you leave, how many ripples, how long can you see those things in the water? Mm-hmm. Because at some point in time, we, eventually people are going to forget who you are. Yeah. They're going to forget what, what your impact was. Mm-hmm. Most likely for most of us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're like George Washington, and then like your name's going to kind of live on for, right. for a while. Um, but the legacy that I want to leave, I think fundamentally, is through through my own ripples, right? So like if I'm the rock, mm-hmm. I'm that stone that goes into the water, then I got to have my ducks in a row, right? Is that that aspect of self leadership? What example can I set that's going to positively impact the women that I work with? And it's going to positively impact my husband. How can I lead him 
How can I lead my children so that they can go out in the world and they can then make their own ripples, right? If, if every ring, every ripple that I can make in the world, if they can go out and make their own ripples, then that can go on forever. It's exponential. Yeah. So that to me is kind of how I conceptualize it. Kirsten Smith, guys, the ripple legacy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, and the rock, it, it does. It disappears yeah. underwater. You don't see it anymore. But you see those ripples forever, and they can turn into tsunamis, you know. But you got to be okay with that. You got to be okay with your name not being attached to it. Yeah. To, to truly serve, right? Yeah. No, this is this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I for expected me. like thirty minutes. I think we went like over an hour. <laughs> We're up there for sure. So yeah. We never even circled back to sales. No. What do no, you know? We no, we didn't. <laughs> All I was gonna say is like, you know, and this is a big thing for me. And um, what did you say earlier? You you, you thought you didn't like sales. Yeah. But you, you did. You had an obligation. And I, I believe that happens when you truly believe in your product. Yeah. And you know that the world needs it. And I can do that with cable. And I can do that with building great sales teams. Or I can do it with having a relationship with someone and, and mentoring them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you have an obligation. And it, if you don't believe in your product, you're not going to have that obligation. And your, your, your sales are not going to be there, no matter how many tactics, no matter how many strategies or structures you put in place. So when you said that, it just, it was like, yes, 100%. <laughs> Again, uh, thank you for coming on the show. If uh, anybody wants to follow you, where do they do that now? All the socials. So Facebook, Kirsten Smith, mm-hmm. K-I-R-S-T-I-N. Mm-hmm. We usually misspell it. I'm yeah. the Kirsten Smith on Instagram. Um, that's probably the best way. Yeah, I DMs have are always open. worked incredibly hard at not saying Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call her Kirsten. <laughs> hey, I answer to it all. Yeah. I'm not picky. When I was little, my two best friends were Kristen and Kirsten. So that oh, got that real was fun. confusing. <laughs> yeah, that's if it's awesome. remotely close to my name, I answer to it. Awesome. Well, again, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.